Hello, everybody. I'm Scott Hennon sitting in for Chris Berg, who's on vacation. You normally hear me on the radio on AM 1100, The Flag, 550 KFIR, KFYR, KTGO, and KLTC, and get the chance to um, chat with Chris's viewers here on Point of View and always have a great time. We're talking about the budget. That's uh, something, a two-year budget that passed the Congress today averting a, a government shutdown. There was talk that uh, we'd be right back on that spot. We're going to talk with Senator Kevin Kramer about uh, the deal, what he likes, what he doesn't like. We're also going to talk a little bit about the uh, Democratic debate. Yeah, it won't go away. There's two of them. There's 20 candidates. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy. And uh, now, they're, now they're kind of ganging up on Joe Biden and Barack Obama, and it's, it's not pretty to see. We're, we're going to recap some of that for you on the uh, program today. But we also are going to give you some advice on uh, the best way to go forward uh, if, in fact, you're a President Trump supporter. It might be spending less time paying attention to that and more time paying attention to uh, what Republicans might not be supporting this president. So all that and more coming up tonight on POV. First, from Washington, D.C., we're joined by our friend Senator Kevin Kramer to talk about uh, the historic vote on the budget today. Senator Kramer, thanks for joining us. So I call it historic because you have divided government. You have uh, a Republican president, you have a Republican Senate, but a Democratic House, and uh, that's never an easy time to try and crank out a deal. We've gone to the brink a few times on the uh, government shutdown, and if there's any good news out of this, I guess... Uh, uh, it's the fact that there's a deal before we have the winners and losers of that. Would you agree? Well, there's no question. That's one of the big victories. One of the big victories is that we do have a deal. That it's two years that has been agreed to by Democrats and Republicans, of course. A good bipartisan vote out of both the House and the Senate. Negotiated really largely between Stephen Mnuchin on behalf of President Trump and, of course, Nancy Pelosi and, and House Democrats, along, of course, with Mitch McConnell in the Senate. So it's, um, you, you know, the fact that divided government works, I think, is in and of itself quite encouraging and remarkable. Um, I would say, and I called the, the president the, the morning that the House passed it, actually, and or the, the morning that they announced it, and I congratulated him, congratulated him because... Oftentimes in a divided government, in a compromised deal, which you have to have in a divided government to have any deal, uh, you know, there's, it tilts one way or the other. And I frankly think that uh, conservatives got more out of this than, than Nancy Pelosi did. So uh, kudos to her as well for, for agreeing to it. But averting, averting the, uh, not, not just by, by the way, this year, but next year as well. This is a two-year budget deal. Um, you know, averting that is really a big deal. The, the lifting of the, the raising of the debt ceiling, of course, also averts, uh, you know, catastrophe. And uh, that's now a two-year deal as well. Takes us past the next election, which is important. But all of those, those are more the political sort of, you know, system uh, process uh, victories, if you will. But, um, but beyond that, there's some, there's some decent things in the deal itself. So, um... Joe Manchin, Democrat from West Virginia, Cory Booker, a candidate for president, a former mayor of um, you know, uh, Newark, liberal, uh, and uh, uh, quite a large number, over 25 uh, Republicans voted against this. A lot of them saying it spends too much, uh, sure. which obviously shocked me when it's coming from Booker. But what do you say to those that say, you know, this is, this is, this is too much money to, to, to you know, uh, increase spending? It's just too much money. Well, first of all, it's not much of an increase. It's over two years, it's $54 billion in a $1.3 trillion discretionary budget. But I think what happens is a lot of times people confuse the, the discretionary side of the ledger, which is 30% of the overall federal budget, with the, you know, the entire budget. The, the vast majority of the other 70% is mandatory spending made up largely of the entitlement program, Scott. And, and I, I, I will be honest, and, and there are a lot of good people, friends of mine who voted no, uh, they always vote no because it's always too much spending. And no is a very easy vote to cast in this town. 
but easy isn't why we came here. And I think that for our president, for Donald Trump to have negotiated this type of a deal with Nancy Pelosi, with a what amounts to a 2%, just a 2% increase in spending, uh, you know, two years in a row, uh, is really quite remarkable. In fact, this, this 54 billion is split out this way. It's a 44 billion dollar increase in the in the uh, 2019 budget, and then a or maybe 2020, and then it's a, uh, a 10 billion dollar increase in the 2021 budget. And remembering that fully half or a little better than half is defense spending, and we are digging out of a very deep hole that the Obama administration put us in in terms of our readiness and our ability to even to even you know, fight back if, if a war should break out. And so we need to do this for our military, but, but from a conservative standpoint, it's quite a modest increase. But if we ever want to get to balance, and I do, um, if we ever are going to get to balance, we have to deal with the 70% side of the budget. And so voting no and hoping yes, which is what a lot of people do because it's easier to explain, uh, is not, it's not something I've ever done. I've always wanted to be part of the solution. You know, obviously, you'd, you'd like a cut. Is, is a cut in spending possible? I mean, 2% uh, increase, I think, is, is, is something that's a headline to me that really hasn't got much in the way of reporting. When you look at actually what spending was and what it's going, there is some figures out there about how it's jumped from the plan targets, which was the 10-year plan, uh, which is obviously, you know, an argument to say, well, uh, it is, but I don't know that a 10-year that a, uh, a plan envisioned Barack Obama gutting the military to the extent right. he has or whatever. So there's plenty of reasons to go back on that. But, you know, many of us would like to see the government reduced. And, uh, you know, George W. Bush actually brought that down later in his, uh, in his final years, not early on, a lot of spending because of 9-11, but it came down to zero. Obama went up, you know, again, so at one point, double-digit increases in spending. So are cuts possible? Uh, with at least one body of Congress controlled by Democrats? Well, you know, I want to remind people this 2% this increase is much lower than, than the standard of living has gone up under this president. In, in, and as well, by the way, not just the economic growth, but also the growth in revenue to the government. So as a, as a percentage of gross domestic product, this is really even more modest than it, it appears at first blush. But to answer your question, if we don't deal with the bigger picture, Scotty, if we only if we try to balance a four trillion dollar budget on one trillion dollars of spending, we obviously we're not going to get there. Part of the problem we have with the programs, particularly Social Security and Medicare, which we want to save, I want to save, but most politicians don't dare talk about it. But Medicare will be insolvent in in seven years, and and that means automatic cuts. Social Security will be insolvent shortly after that, by 20, uh, I think it's 2034. So, you know, if we don't deal with those entitlement programs, we'll never get to balance. And the reason they're a problem and the reason they're starting to go upside down, in fact, Social Security within about a year will start, you know, spending more than, than is coming in. And, and then that means the trust fund eventually runs out and you're on a cash-only basis. Well... You know, if, if we, again, if we don't deal with that, but the reason we have the problem is because, of course, we have a retirement bubble right now that's burst. You know, baby boomers are retiring, thousands of them every day. And so much more money is going to go out to pay their benefits than is coming in by the, uh, you know, the current economy. Uh, and so I, I, what I want to do is I want to have a balanced budget amendment with all things on the table. And then uh, we need to talk about the entire budget, not just the part that is half of our national half of which is national defense and, and uh, non-defense discretionary spending. You praised in your uh, statement today Nancy Pelosi, 
uh, saying that this is a conservative budget and for her to support it and get it through her caucus is uh, saying something and you know I'm, I'm sure some people see that and go wow why would he praise uh, Nancy Pelosi but of course obviously when when somebody on the other side does something you agree with I guess it's okay to praise him uh, but I also saw something from the um, uh, Susan B. Anthony list, one of the great pro-life groups in, in Washington, D.C., uh, speaking specifically of this budget, saying it, uh, it is a major victory for life. Uh, the agreement blocks Democrats' attempts at repealing life-saving policies and forcing taxpayers to fund abortions. It, uh, it says Pelosi and Schumer have agreed to ensure subsequent appropriation bills are free of anti-life poison pills. So hard to believe that th this has been one area they've, they've, they've wanted to die on that hill before. Uh, and uh, and there's some victories for the conservative side in this budget. What do you make of that? Then that's exactly what I'm talking about in terms of things that they gave up. And and here's the other thing, Scott. If we did not pass this, we would have been in a cycle of of 30-day to 90-day continuing resolutions, which would have def devastated our military. If you don't believe me, ask any North Dakota National Guardsman. It would have devastated our, our military. And it puts Democrats in the driver's seat. We would never get a budget this conservative again. So while, while you can sort of pound your chest and say it spends too much money, so I'm a no, basically what you're saying is that you're for what would have happened if, if, it, if uh, we didn't pass it. That's why I call it the vote no, hope yes crowd. You can maintain your conservative credentials but never be part of the solution. And that I find that offensive. I always have. But that's not me. I, I don't want to be that person. And people have other reasons, you know, political reasons and whatnot for doing what they do. Um, but we did not lose a single policy discussion in this budget. The life issues were major, to say the least. But here's another one for the president, and I think part of why he supported it so strongly. Um, he maintains his authority to transfer funds for building the wall. Now, you know how badly Democrats wanted to take that away from him, and yet Stephen Mnuchin and the president were able to, to maintain that authority uh, against Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer's wishes. So uh, this is why <laughs> things are easy on the surface, but when you start drilling down, you have to look at what can you get in a divided government that preserves both liberty and, of course, uh, you know, some, some budget discipline. All of that said, we need to get the balance but we have to put it all on the table, and that includes 100% of the federal budget, not just 30% of it. A couple of the quick things I want to ask you about. You mentioned the wall. You have obviously been deputized by the president to do this deep dive on the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers and told us many times on your weekly talk radio town halls the challenges in getting the Corps to provide the information and all the data and the slow walk they do. Uh, but obviously, you've been at this a month or so. Uh, are you are you any more optimistic that uh, that deep dive is going to give the president the information he wants that he has to change course and go directly to have the DHS contract with private contractors so we actually have some progress in building the wall? I'm less confident right now than I was two hours ago, Scott. Um, I uh, it came to a boiling point with me and the Corps of Engineers just a couple of hours ago. I had a hold on uh, the procurement. Uh, the federal procurement officer for the Office of Management and Budget, a hold means that I would not allow a unanimous consent vote on the floor. They wanted to, they wanted to confirm him today. And I said, that, and not until I get a firm commitment from the White House and the Corps of Engineers that, um, that I get 100% of the information that I've requested. And uh, I got that promise from the White House. They said, you have our promise. If you'll release the hold I, by, uh, by later this afternoon, you will have... Uh, a confirmation in writing from the Corps of Engineers that you'll have that information. I released my hold on that promise, and then I received a, 
uh, email from the Corps of Engineers reneging on that promise. So um, I have <laughs> demanded, I, I'm staying in Washington another day and demanded a meeting tomorrow, tomorrow morning with the Corps. So um, this is <laughs> clearly breaking. I, I've, um, I, I was lucky to have calmed down long enough to do this show. I was so upset about it. And, uh, and have a long trail of communications between the White House, the Corps of Engineers, and me. Um, they, they keep hiding it behind secrecy, Scotty, that somehow these proposals and the bids uh, are not their propriety, they're proprietary, therefore I sh can't see them. I spent 10 hours in the SCIF. The SCIF is the, you know, the security, uh, security uh, room where, where we go down to hear, you know, secure information, high, highly classified top secret information on what China's doing, on what Russia's doing, on what the United States is doing. I've spent about 10 hours in there the last two weeks, and uh, yet somehow I can't see what, a, what somebody who was awarded a bid, uh, what they, what they or awarded a contract, what they bid on the request for proposals. So, um, and by the way, they never cite any statute to prove that they have this authority to withhold information from me. So uh, you've asked me a, a good question at a good time, and... Uh, We'll see what happens in the next 24 hours. That's unbelievable. I, I actually think I was just down in uh, Sunland Park, New Mexico, where the only stretch of new wall that's been built in the entire Trump administration is standing and receiving incredible amounts of praise from Border Patrol agents, from Department of Homeland Security officials for being exactly what they need in so many ways. But it was built with the public's money uh, a different way, you know, donating on GoFundMe to uh, rebuild the wall. And uh, Tommy Fisher's crew built it down there, did an incredible job. I, I don't know if I'm naive, but I keep thinking, if I were the Corps, I'd just write those guys checks. They build it in 10 days, uh, and then the Corps can look like geniuses and let them build in the, uh, in the really high traffic areas and they can putz along in the other areas. I mean, does that have any chance of, uh, of uh, becoming reality, do you think? Well, I, I think that kind of a formula, is, it's fun to sort of bat around. I think it's highly unlikely that would ever be allowed, but um, that said... Um, the Corps doesn't need to do that if they want to, if they just hire somebody like like Fisher Industries who can actually do the job faster, better, higher quality um, with new technologies rather than relying on the same old, same old um, where they where they put out an RFP and invite one one company to a, to provide a, a proposal and then imagine this award it to them and then they negotiate the price after they award it. It's it's. Highly suspicious to me, Scott. I've become very frustrated by it. But I, I will also tell you, I, I want, in fairness to the DHS. And by the way, I just met with the secretary this week. He was in my office to talk about the very same, this very same issue. Um, so I've had quite a week. Uh, not only him, but but also uh, a high-level official from the Department of Defense was in my office to talk about the same issue. And so um, it's it's high on a lot of people's priority list, but as I've learned many times, the Corps of Engineers is their own government. They're their own bureaucracy. They're arrogant. They're secretive. Um, and I'm starting to wonder if they're not corrupt. I mean, when they hide behind words like um, proprietary and secret, but they can't provide me with the statute that says that they have that authority, I get very suspicious. Um, I'm not sure they want to build the wall, Scott, quite honestly. Uh, you know, they're they're supposed to be building 400 new miles by uh, the end, by you know by uh, the end of next year, and they've built 54 so far. And to your point, you're saying that they've built none that's brand new. And I, I will give them cut them some slack and say that if you re, if you replace a, a, a auto barrier with with a 30 foot wall, you you you've built some new wall. You're keeping you know pedestrian traffic out that previously they walked right over. Um, so I want to be fair to that. But uh, no, I'm very frustrated as you can tell.
Yeah, but you know, it, you're right. We could say they've built 50 miles of wall. They have, but it replaced other wall that wasn't very good. It's not new wall. Right. We got a long ways to go to get to 200, 300, 400 as the, prom the president's right. promise. And I'm with you. I don't, I don't think they want to do it. Last question for you. Um, are you watching these Democratic debates? What do you think of the uh, Democratic candidates? What, uh, what, what, what do you uh, make of this uh, national conversation going on right now? You know, I really wanted to watch it the last couple of nights, but I, I had to um, scratch my eyeballs, and it, it just seemed like a high priority. Uh, no, to be honest with you, Scott, I don't watch them, and the reason I don't watch them is they're not talking to me. And frankly, they're not even really talking to North Dakotans at all. They're, they're talking to Californians, and they're talking to... You'd think they'd try to talk to Iowans, but maybe Iowa Democrats are different. Um, but I've not watched much. and I've seen a few highlights here and there, uh, but... All in all, I find the whole thing rather boring. It's funny. I just yesterday I was um, going to watch the or going going to the Capitol for votes, and I got surrounded by a bunch of reporters, and they asked the same questions, and and uh, they were they were asking me about various things like what, when we're going to get out of here, how's the budget deal going? Do you think, you know do you have sixty votes yet? All those things. And I said, what? Nobody's going to ask me about about the Democratic debates, and I said, no, we don't, we're not even interested in those anymore. So I think what the, everyone's waiting for is for it to get boiled down to a handful of serious candidates and see what actually emerges from there, but it's not very interesting to me. It will, it will save you from uh, being called a racist if you don't watch, because we're, we're, we're generally all labeled as racist. That seems Maybe I'm a racist because I didn't watch. There you go. I that, didn't, that hadn't thought about too, that. But it's a very popular term among the left right now, so they're, they're, they're throwing that around to the point of, it becoming uh, darn near meaningless. It's unbelievable. But I, I hear you. They're definitely not talking to us. This is a, uh, this is a lurch to the left uh, like uh, we've never seen in this country, a push for socialism and see who can get there first. So it is pretty amazing. Senator Kramer, thanks for the time. We always appreciate your access to the uh, great voters of, the, of North Dakota, and we shall uh, talk to you soon.